again, Nightmare Society. I wanted to apologize if you've been getting commercials in more random spots than usual. The distributor I use is getting a little more particular at which time slots are to be used for advertisement. I try to keep those between stories, but sometimes that's just not possible. On that note, if you want commercial-free early access episodes, as well as bonus content and other fun stuff we do over there, check out our online campfire at patreon.com slash nightmare society. I'm going to be releasing another bonus episode next week, and it's a doozy. A big thanks to our producers for this week's episode from our campfire, Danielle, Ginger, Mike, Cat OJ, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Rebecca, Araceli, Elani Hawaii, Obese J, Katie, Rory, Kaylee, and our newest member, Bradley. And a big thanks to user Myra, user Count Ducufapula, our anonymous contributor, and user XCXMike1 for sharing their stories with us tonight. Also, I'll be sharing the winners of our giveaway during this episode, so stay tuned. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. I'm 22 years old, and this incident happened a year and a half ago. I had just moved into my first apartment and was in the process of moving everything in. The door that led to my apartment locks itself automatically when closed, so I was going to the entrance of the apartment complex to get my mail while talking on the phone with my boyfriend. I returned to my apartment and sat on the bed while opening the mail while using the phone. I dropped the phone on the floor and it landed under the bed, so I had to lie on the floor and stretch for it. I saw something that caught my eye. There was someone under my bed. My eyes widened and I choked the urge to scream. The person under my bed was lying still with his back towards me and his head to his chest, so I couldn't see his face. And he didn't see me. Trying to be rational while so many thoughts rushed through my head, I picked up the phone and said, Sorry, I dropped my phone. I'm just going to take a shower and call you back. The bathroom is right by my bed, so I hastily walked in, quietly locked the door, turned the shower on, jumped out my window, my apartment is on the first floor, and called the police. They told me to wait nearby, but to go across the street and see if anyone comes out the door to the apartment complex. This was during summer, and it was still light out. I placed myself across the street, hiding behind a car while watching my open bathroom window and the entry door. I called my boyfriend and he came to me just before the police. I gave them my keys and they went inside. 
Only moments later, two cops came out holding a thin and tired-looking man. His eyes looked crazy, but he didn't try to get away. The policeman that had stood beside me and comforted me while the police searched through my house, I was a mess, shivering and crying, told me that the man stood outside my bathroom door with one of my kitchen knives, waiting for me to come out. This man had somehow crept in my entry door while I was getting my mail, and hid under the bed. The man that was trying to hurt me turned out to be a homeless person and was placed in a mental hospital. My boyfriend moved in with me the very next day. I just wanted to share my story, so that others might know what to do if a situation like this occurs. The police told me that what I did was truly amazing and completely rational. If I had screamed, this could have ended really badly for me. Two years ago, right around Halloween, I was babysitting for these two ladies who each had a son. They wanted to go out so I stayed at one of their houses and watched their boys. It was around 8 p.m., and the boys were sitting on the couch, playing on their iPads and whatnot, when somebody knocked on the door. I asked them if anyone was supposed to come over, and they both said no. I go over and check the eye hole in the door, and it's some guy in a gray hoodie, deliberately hunched over so I can't see his face. I immediately am like, nope, 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 and I don't say anything and start pacing around because I don't want to give him any inclination that we're inside. A couple of minutes later, I check outside the little window through the curtains, and he's gone. I didn't want to scare the kids anymore, and there weren't any more knocks, so I just kind of let it go as a prank. Cut to a few hours later, and the moms get back. They ask me how everything was, and I say the kids were great, but somebody had come to the door. They ask me what time, and I say around 8 o'clock, and one of the moms starts freaking out and going through her phone. The other one tells me that right around that time, somebody had been making strange phone calls to them on a blocked number. They had disguised their voice and were saying things like, I can see you through your window. They didn't think it was serious because it didn't make sense in the context of where they were. But in retrospect, they were almost positive it was me he was looking at through the window. They escorted me to my car, and I touched base later and apparently nothing strange happened after that but I'm just really glad I didn't open that door because I have a feeling in my gut it would have been really bad. When I was 19 in the early 90s, my brother and his wife were newly married and living in Baltimore. I was from Maryland but had not yet spent time in that city. I knew it wasn't totally safe in some parts, but I also knew that I was just going straight to my brother and sister-in-law's house, 
so it would be fine. Until I turned onto the wrong street. This was MLK Boulevard, and back then it was a stretch of abandoned gas stations, sketchy bars, boarded up houses, and people were walking in the middle of the street drinking out of paper bags. I knew that I had messed up, and instead of freaking out and getting more lost, I pulled into an abandoned gas station. There was a bank of payphones and I parked about 10 feet from them, hopped out and called my brother. He was impatient at first because he knew the city quite well, but it was my first time driving in it and I was trying to write down his directions as he gave them to me. Just then something caught my eye and I looked over at my car. Three men were leaning against it two on the passenger side, one against the driver's side front door. They were all staring at me with their arms crossed. I started to silently cry. My brother heard me sniffling and asked, why are you upset? I'm giving you the directions. But I couldn't tell him what was going on as the men were within earshot. I got the rest of the directions, put them in my pocket, and walked to my car. The man leaning against my door reached up and wiped the tears from one cheek and then he said, Why are you crying baby? Nothing bad has happened yet. Without even thinking about it, I responded, fully sobbing now. I just shot my boyfriend and I'm in a lot of trouble. The cops are all the way. That's all I got out. The three men had all taken off in separate directions at full sprints, away from me. If I hadn't been gifted with that lie from my guardian angels, or whoever saved my butt that day, who knows what would have happened. Dudes, I no longer live in Maryland, but let's not meet again. It's time to announce our winners for the 250k celebration giveaway. And the winners are... Michael DeLima, Seven the Pit, Kel Rays, and Bender and Rupert. Congratulations everyone. We're going to reach out to you via Instagram or you're welcome to message us so that we can arrange your prize and you can find out what you have won. Funny enough, I think two of our winners are animals, so apparently I'm in good with the animal kingdom. This was really fun, so I'm sure we'll be doing this again soon. Thanks so much to everyone for participating. I've lived in New York City all my life, and I have countless stories that I can tell you about this city, but this one takes the cake for sure. I live in one of the safest and most affluent neighborhoods in all of Brooklyn, near the Verrazano Bridge. My friends and I, being high school students at the time, would use fake IDs to get into this college bar in Manhattan most weekends. 
There's one train line that serves my neighborhood, and even then it's a decent walk to get there to the nearest station. On this night, my friends and I left our neighborhood and boarded the train. Everything was totally fine on the way to the bar. It's one straight shot there, and we had a pretty decent time. I left the bar at around 3 in the morning, and my friends decided that they would all stay at one of my friend's grandparents' houses in the neighborhood next to mine, as to not get caught by their parents. That neighborhood is served by a different train line. As I said before, my neighborhood is very affluent and most people do not use the subway and opt for cars instead. It's semi-suburban. Imagine a mix of New Jersey and a scene out of Saturday Night Fever. Therefore, I was the only person in my car. Two stops after my friends left the train, a man wearing a stuffed black backpack entered the car and sat down in one of the corner seats, next to an advertisement plastered on the wall. I paid little attention to him, but anyone boarding the train at 3am in my area would be kind of unnerving, especially because of his shabby appearance. Not homeless, but he definitely had not showered for a few days. My eyes stayed glued to my phone for about five minutes, until my attention was ripped away from the AFK arena due to the man removing a large permanent marker from his backpack. He began writing on the advertisement and smiling at me every so often as if he wanted me to acknowledge whatever he was scribbling down. The man began by drawing a hanged man with several religious crosses surrounding him and then began to write phrases on the advertisement like The end is near. Is near. You will pay for your sins. sins. The awakening is upon us. Etc. Etc. Normal things for a super religious person to say or write, even if it was unnerving that this was happening at 3am in an empty train car. I tried to shrug the situation off because I didn't want to freak myself out, as I tend to overthink things like this. However, the next time I looked up at the advertisement, he had written down, Make sure you check behind you on your way home. And gave me that very unnerving smile once more. At this point, I freaked the heck out. I was still semi-drunk and my anxiety disorder was not helping anything to the situation at hand. I got up and moved to the opposite end of the car. My station was next, so I thought I was just dealing with some loony and that I'd be fine. As I exited the train, the man exited as well. Now, here's where I really felt like I was in danger. He was following me, with a blank face. No smile. No making sure that I was paying attention to his actions. Just blank. I began briskly walking through my silent neighborhood. No one was out. It was 3 a.m. for goodness sake. The man trailed behind me with his backpack my entire way home 
and I made sure to double lock my doors once I got inside. I didn't tell my mom because I knew she would have had ten times the panic attack that I did on that train. When I entered my room, I peered out the window. There the man was, staring blankly at my front door. He stood there for about five minutes before leaving, trailing off into the darkness. I have no idea what the man wanted from me, or why he followed me off the train. To this day, I still make myself believe that he simply was deranged, or had some sort of mental illness, not that he had any sinister intentions. So weird stalker Bible freak on the subway. Let's not meet again. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram for future giveaways at Nightmare Society Radio. And if you're interested in supporting the show, feel free to check out all the different tiers available on Patreon.com slash Nightmare Society. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Sweet.